Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. Our purpose is to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're working our way through 1 Timothy in our current series, Behave Yourself. Now let's jump in and hear what Kurt has to say. And welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Didn't get too far yesterday, just got really to the middle of verse number two in 1 Timothy chapter three, but we laid the groundwork for what we want to talk about today, and that is the qualifications of a bishop. We've already discovered that a bishop ought to be blameless. Uh, nobody ought to be able to throw mud against the wall of his, of his house, of his testimony, and have it stick. It's not to say that a bishop is sinless. Of course not. But uh, there's no glaring area of his life that would cause discredit to himself or the ministry at which he serves. And the Bible says a primary way by which a bishop exemplifies blamelessness is in a quality marriage in which he is committed. He is a one-woman man. The Bible says in verse number two as well that a bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant. So if I were to say the word vigilant to you, no doubt you have a kind of a already layman's definition. John, what comes to your mind when I give you the word vigilant? When I think of the vigilant here, I think of the idea of temperate, uh, where you are well aware of what's going on around you um, in your in your self-control and how you respond to things in life. Good. Yeah. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil. Uh, you, you, you have your wits about you. Uh, you are aware of the situation and act accordingly. Uh, a, a bishop obviously needs to be that person, not a person that's caught off guard, not a person that's prone to extremes. The Bible says in verse number uh, two again, sober. Uh, typically in today's vernacular, when we use the word sober, we think of somebody who is not drunk. And that's a very narrow modern definition. What's the more of a biblical understanding of the word sober? You know, sometimes we find the word sober here being used more like temperate, that idea. In this context here, I think the word sober is being the idea more like thoughtful, prudent, serious-minded, uh, is how I would take this here, is that you're somebody who, you know, you're you're not just out there playing the game, so to speak. Right. You're really serious about what you're doing. You take the things of God and the work of God seriously. That's not to say that we can't laugh and have a good time, and honestly— the, the guys that I know in ministry that have achieved any kind of longevity have a good sense of humor, the ability to laugh at themselves. But I'll also say this, they're men that have a very serious mind about the things of God. But you talk about the gospel or the word of God, you talk about reaching people or doctrine, and they're zoned in. That's what we're talking about here, that kind of sobriety. So the Bible says vigilant, sober, and then the Bible says, of good behavior. So we think about behavior today as in our actions. But the, the Bible term is a little bit more narrow here. Um, appropriate, modest, modest in the sense of orderly, uh, knows appropriate, I think is the word I used, what, what word comes to your mind? When I think of this term here, I think of just someone being a genuine Christian gentleman. Mm. I mean, just if everything, that, what you talked about, everything they do, uh, this touches upon that in their life. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's what I meant by the word appropriate. 
It's like knowing how to behave in a given situation. Uh, not obnoxious might be a good way to look at it from the antonym standpoint. Then the Bible says in verse number two, given to hospitality. And this is one of my favorite uh, qualities of, of a pastor, hospitable. Hospitality in the Bible is the word phylloxenos, um, a, a love for strangers. In other words, uh, an hospitable person is one that is predisposed to be good to, to serve people that he doesn't even know well. And a pastor should be given to that. Uh, have uh, you, you, you hear this said about some people, but he's never met a stranger. That, that's the idea of the word. You think often in churches how that there are guests who come. And guests often are going to gauge the church service, not always by the preaching necessarily, although that's part of it clearly, but how, how are they received? You know, how does the pastor interact with them when he talks with them? And so that's why it's important that a pastor be a lover of strangers, be someone given to hospitality that can communicate well with people who are strangers to him. Hospitality is all throughout the Bible. And Jesus is constantly praising uh, hospitality, whether it be a woman take a, 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 a Samaritan taking care of a, a wayside um, a, a wayside victim, or whether it be you know, Martha taking them into her home, or the homes of those to whom the seventy went that received them into their homes and and cared for them whether it be the hospitality that we read all throughout the Old Testament. It really was a Middle Eastern staple, hospitality, that I think sometimes we Americans don't really understand. You know, now today we so much have, you know, Holiday Inn, hotels, you know, Hampton, whatever the people stay in. Uh, Don't understand a lot of times in Bible times, people would take strangers into their houses and entertain them. Uh, people didn't always get on, you know, orbits.com and plan out their vacation time, often stay with people. And this was an important concept for a pastor in his life. I think about John commending Gaius in the book of third John for his hospitality, receiving these itinerant, itinerant preachers and bringing them forward on their journey. Or even the writer of Hebrews who said that we ought not to be forgetful to entertain strangers. That's the term, phylloxenos, to, to be because, for, because the Bible says sometimes we've entertained angels unaware. So um, there you go. Look at verse number uh, two again. So uh, sober, good behavior, given to hospitality, and then right smack dab in the middle of all of these character qualities is this quality that speaks to ability. Because the Bible says, apt to teach. So skilled enough to be able to teach people the word of God. So is teaching a gift or is teaching an ability? You know, good question, Pastor. I do believe that God does give some people, you know, the ability to teach. Um, It also, some people have a natural ability. And so I would say from Ephesians chapter four, where God gives the gifts, the pastor, evangelist, pastors, teachers, that teachers are gifted, that pastors who are going to be men of God are gifted by God, but also it can be a natural ability, something that can be learned. Yeah, I think all three, really. It can be a natural ability. I mean, unsaved people are good, te- some, some are good teachers, communicators of, of, of information. And then certainly it's a gift. Romans 12 makes that clear. 
And then also it's an ability. So, some pastors maybe aren't as gifted, spiritual, spiritually gifted to teach, but it's a, it's a skill that can be developed. And I think what the Bible is saying here is that a person dare not occupy the office of a bishop if he doesn't have the ability to communicate information, because that is that is his job. That's what he does. It's an important reminder that for pastors, you know, developing that ability, you know, working on that, you know, fine tuning what God's called you to do is an important part of ministry in being able to, to communicate as effectively as you can. The Bible says in verse three, he's not given to wine. So he's not a person that would be ruled by external stimulus, uh, wine in the ancient world. And this is not a discussion on alcohol. And we'll talk a little bit about that when we get down to the deacons. Uh, I, I think it's it's unwise just to yank these qualifications out of their context and just say, well, let's talk about the larger alcohol debate. That's not the point here. The point here is that a pastor is in control of his faculties and doesn't allow any external stimuli, uh, whatever that might be, to to jeopardize that. I think Ephesians 5.18, you know, to the point, be not drunk with wine, where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And sure, the pastor here must be a man who's filled with the Spirit of God. He cannot be a man who's controlled by wine. That will kill his ministry. It's interesting that right after the qualification of not given to wine, the Bible says no striker. You know, not violent, not prone to violent outbursts, either physically or emotionally, not greedy of filthy lucre. Uh, a, a pastor is one, a bishop is one who cannot be motivated by, by gain. He can't be motivated by the perks, by the stuff, by the money. These are not motivating factors. That's not to say that we should take advantage of that and, and not compensate our pastors well. I think we should. The Bible makes that clear in 1 Timothy 5, Galatians chapter 6. But the point here is that this should not be the motivation of a pastor. He can't be greedy. And is it not interesting, John, that even way back in Moses' day, when Jethro was helping him choose some helpers to teach the people and counsel the people, one of the prime qualifications was, hey, they can't be greedy. Exactly right, because that is often a, a condition of humans in that they like to look out for themselves and be greedy and take what they can get, so to speak. But the man of God cannot be that way. He has to be giving, have a heart that is in this for the right motivation, the right reason. Uh, being a pastor is not simply a vocation that you just sign up for, for, for some reason, for prestige or power or whatever. No, it's a calling by God. It's a man who's dedicated to serve God. Reminds me again what Peter says in 1 Peter 5, you know, do this willingly. Don't do this because you're constrained to. Don't do what you may get out of it, but have the right heart for God in doing it. For sure. And when a leader is motivated by, by money, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're going to get there um, later on, obviously, in the book, that um, he falls into, into temptation and a snare, in, into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Uh, he begins to treat people differently. I'm going to treat rich people or people that I think can help me different than, differently than I'm going to treat uh, poor people. And James speaks about that in James 2. So there's just a world of hurt when that becomes our motivation. The Bible says, 
in contrast to being violent or greedy, the Bible says we're to be patient, not a brawler, not covetous. So it's almost like a repetition, uh, uh, not a brawler, in other words, not violent, not, not a striker, not covetous, not, not greedy or filthy lucre. So, hey, don't be this, okay? Be this, be patient. Be one that, 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 that uh, faithfully perseveres, not somebody that is drawn away by resources or ticked off by unforeseen events, just a, a plotter, if you will. You know, Paul knew from his own experience that in ministry, you're going to face difficult days, going to face persecution, face people opposing you, sometimes physically, sometimes verbally. And Paul knew that the man of God had to be a man who would respond correctly, who would be a patient individual who could bear with what God was doing in his life and would not lash out at people, but could just be a great example to the flock of what it means to serve God patiently, although persecution may come, still to continue serving God faithfully. The term brawler is so appropriate for ministry because pastors are leaders, and many times a pastor is a type A personality, not always, but if he's not careful, he'll, he'll be meddling in every little affair. He'll be arguing about every little thing. He'll be pugnacious and quarrelsome and um, get out of sorts easily. The Bible says that's not a good quality of a leader, and look out for that because that's going to get a leader into trouble, and really, it's going to impinge upon his ability to be blameless because people don't want to be around that kind of 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 obnoxious leader. And I think we've all had experience, probably even personal experience, in those areas. Well, I think we're going we're to stop there for today just for sake of time. Uh, and we, we are going to go into what I believe is the most important indication of leadership. But we're going to have to reserve that for next episode. So I hope uh, you enjoy your day today. Hope you get a lot done. And uh, we'll be praying for you as the Lord brings you to mind. Pray for us as well. And we will see you next episode. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If everyday truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.